Welcome back to the Swirl Suite, everyone. So this week on the podcast, we do a very lengthy recap of our travels. All three of us, well, me, Glennis, and Leslie have all been in different places in the past two weeks. We give lovely recaps of that. And we speak with Michael Whaley of Steel Point Imports. I met Michael at the South African Embassy a few weeks ago, and he was pouring his wine. So he imports minority winemakers, women winemakers out of, I believe, Europe and South Africa. Before this episode gets started, as always, be sure to subscribe to the Swirl Sweet Podcast, share, like, leave us a comment. Cheers. Leslie, you got bottles all behind you. What is that? How can I see less? Okay, yeah. that's my business. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have the minis of um Bisivacin. Oh, oh okay. very nice. I, they had let me let me I want to show you. Okay. I hope she does it again. I didn't so see those on your website. She makes the minis, but for Women's History Month, she had them engraved. Oh, nice. Oh, wow. Nice. That's really nice. And each of them has a different saying. What? Now, how many do you have? Um, I only have two left, honestly, because mm-hmm. I sold most of them. Oh, so you didn't send um, like one to the women of the squirrel? <laughs> <laughs> no, I did not. See how, you, see how we I get traded, Michael? <laughs> But I'm hopefully if Marvina is still listening, if she ever listened, if she's listening, maybe she will do them for um, Christmas. But, you know, her, you know, her wine was on um, Kevin Hart's Heart to Heart. Yes, Uh yes, it was on Issa's episode. um, I watched it. Yeah. Yes. Yes, it was Issa's episode. So yeah. nice. That was. Welcome oh, to the Swirl Suite, everyone. <laughs> okay. You are so silly. <sighs> back in town, everybody's back in town. Glennis, yes. you went somewhere first. Where did you go? What did you do? Oh my gosh! I went to the Netherlands. I was at the North Sea Jazz Festival, um, which is. For- Freaking amazing. It is just so amazing. Um, I don't even know how to start talking about that. The organization of acts, they had like 10 to 12 stages, acts going on simultaneously. So you, from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, I had no idea. Like when I set up my little schedule, they have an app and everything. When I set up my schedule, I set it up for, you know, who I knew I wanted to see, just artists that I knew I wanted to see that I probably would not be able to see. So on Sunday, the last day, it was Seal, Lizzo, and Gregory Porter. I lost my damn mind. I love me some Gregory Porter. Oh my goodness. The whole thing was just worth it to see him, but I would have never, you know, gone to a SEAL concert. But he, all three of them were on the biggest stage at this venue, and it was over 200,000 people just moving in and out, and it was just so organized. So long story short, flew in and out of um, 
Skip Pole Airport in Amsterdam and we stayed over a couple of days and just took the train into Belgium and um, toured Amsterdam and then toured um, Antwerp and a small quaint town called Kit, Get. It's spelled, the Belgium spelling G-E-N-T, but of course, you know, Americans always change the spelling or something. So, or the English. So it's spelled G-H-E-N-T, if you look it up. Beautiful, small little towns. Um, I prefer Rotterdam over Amsterdam. I'll tell anybody any day. People are just so welcoming. The food scene, the wine scene in Rotterdam, outstanding, outstanding. I wasn't disappointed with nothing I ate or anything I drank. That means a lot. That means a lot. The restaurant, how we were treated. It was, um, oh, so I'm already planning to go back. Just to say that. Um, the last piece I'll say, because I'm going to take up the whole hour talking about this, is in the VIP, if you did VIP, it was different um, sponsors. So there was different sponsors who did the spirits, wine, beer, um, which was all included in your VIP package along with all your three-day tickets and a separate entrance. And I drank bubbles and, uh, and rosé and beer for three consecutive days and had no problem getting a vaccine. And food was included in the VIP. That sounds amazing. <laughs> that does. It was. I, oh, I, wow. I tell everybody you have to go at least one time. If not, met people who have been going for 20 some odd years. Hmm. I'm talking about people of color. Leslie, where you been? Oh, I'm glad you asked. I was at the Wine and Culture Fest. And I have to say that um, our guest today had one of my favorite wines there. Oh, Can't wait to talk about it. <laughs> um, but we were there. I was there because the Swirl Suite, that would be us, we were nominated for a Rose and Rosé Award. I hate to give it away, but we did not win. <laughs> and Sarita was nominated for Influencer of the Year. And Sarita didn't win either. And then Vino 301 was nominated for uh, Wine Tours and we didn't win. But let me say it was an honor to be nominated and we were in some really good company and I sat next to Desiree at the banquet, which was fun. And she shared just a little about your adventures, Sarita. Um, so it was it was a great weekend in literally hot ass Atlanta. Um wow. but it was good. It was all good. Awesome. Oh, oh, and one and one last thing, one last thing. I do have to say that um philosophy wines, right, which is a Maryland hometown favorite won um rose of the year and it was funny because um denise was nominated for something else denise is one of the co-founders and so we were sitting at the table and so they were reading the names and her and i were um going back and forth saying how much 
of an honor it's just to be nominated and they called her name and she sat there <laughs> she was like well who they who who are they <laughs> calling so that was really moving to see her win and there was a lot of dmb people there that cheered her on so that was great awesome That's so congratulations so philosophy yes, yes congratulations to all the winners yes okay so me um, I spent the last few days last week, Wednesday through Friday, well, actually Wednesday through Saturday, um, in California for a wine influencer boot camp at UC Davis. Uh, it was two full days of a crash course from literally um, vine to bottle, like actually vine to shelf, the whole process of winemaking. So we spent we spent hours in the vines, y'all. Um, I can't remember the last time I've been in the vines that long. It was hot. Like, even though California has this temper, uh, this temperature deferential where it's like a hundred during the day and then it drops down to like 50 degrees right now, it's really wide right now. That sun is really hot. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, we spent, I can read a few things off the agenda. So, Let's see. Okay, so Thursday was introductions, introductions of viticulture that was in the vines, um, introduction to winemaking through fermentation, hands-on wine experience, and that's when we got to crush grapes and taste some of the grapes, test sugar levels, that sort of thing. Um, Post-fermentation processing, we got to blend a little bit. And then Anita Oberholster, I hope I'm saying her name correctly, but she specializes in grape and wine chemistry, analogy, and sensory. So within this activity, there were black wine glasses, little plastic cups of, of notes that we typically get in wine, like high bitter, low bitter, chemical, solvent, black fruit, red fruit. And so we were to sometimes smell and sometimes taste these um, these characteristics in within the plastic cups and then identify these same characteristics in a wine that was given to us. So she was saying how, like, especially us, we are trained to look at wine first and we assume certain things based on the color, the way the, mind, the wine moves or whatever. She was like, this makes you start from scratch and this makes you a better taster. So... We did that. That was really interesting. Um, let's see. We went to the UC Davis Library, which was it was fantastic. Um, and shout out to Dorothy Gator. Her her book was in there. Um, they put all the the wine stuff on tables for us. Um, we couldn't touch a lot of stuff, but um, it was just nice to like see everything. And then last week, lastly, we had a cooking class with Plate. Um, that's Mary Mahmed's business so she along with two chefs they own this business called plate where they do cooking classes so we were in the uc davis kitchen their test kitchen making our dinner um i would me desiree and isis were in charge of mac and cheese listen our peers put the pressure on us now (laughs) they put the pressure on us to to make this mac and cheese perfect it came out really nice but it was a really nice dinner. We did have wine there, but honestly, y'all, we were so tired by the by the time we ate dinner. I don't even remember what was on the table. 
but uh, it was a great day. <laughs> it was a great day. The next day, we were back in the vines talking about sustainability, and they went over corks, all the different types of corks, packaging. Um, they showed us the machine that, you know, where, where you cork the bottles. They showed us uh, labels, different types of labels, blah, 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 all of that. And we ended the day at a winery. It was different than a press trip because it was more an overview of all the options, all the decisions that winemakers have to make. And a lot of times when you go to wine, like um, press trips, it's more about the brand. We chose this because da da da. This was like everything. So it was great. Um, it was awesome. I definitely do it again. I if you get invited, please go. It's it's a it's a great opportunity. Uh, it was a good refresher. And also I learned a lot of stuff that I did not know about winemaking and kudos to all winemakers because I could not do that. It's a, it's a lot. It is a lot of decisions. So, but yeah, so that's where I've been. So you mentioned if you get invited, mm -hmm. so how do people, um, not necessarily get invited, but find out more about program and can researchers to see if this is something that they would um, benefit from? So I didn't know this answer at the time of the recording, but I did email the organizers. They informed me that things will be a little bit different for the next boot camp. Um, I believe the layout and the schedule is going to be different and there will also be an application process. If you're interested, I do have an email address. Just send me a DM or email me and I'll tell you exactly what I know. Hey, Michael. Hey, Michael. Hey. Wait, wait, you? Great to be, great to hang with y'all today. Michael. Great yeah. to see you again. Yeah. So, Michael, you time. were at the Wine and Culture Fest too, right? How did you enjoy it? I was. Uh, it, it was It was a lot of fun. I, I uh, first uh, went to it two years ago, uh, and I was only able to go to the brunch, uh, the rosé and Rose's brunch, uh, which was like the most epic brunch one can ever go to. I think the, I think it lasted probably five or six hours and then there was a after party to it. And so this time um, I went for uh, some of the events before in the weekend. So I was there Friday night uh, and they had a, a cookout at the underground Atlanta where there was wine and and uh, and some, there was some education, some wine education uh, that was going on, and so I had a chance to to pour some of our wines there and and hang with some of the attendees on Friday night, including Leslie. So, Michael, you own operate Steel Point Imports. Um, tell us about your connection to wine. Why did you decide to start this? Yeah, so my background is actually in education. I, I started my career as an elementary school teacher, and uh, both of my parents were educators. And, uh, and so in the summer, after my first year teaching, I got a summer job at a wine store uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. And uh, uh, you know, it might have been a sort of a combination of, wow, I just made it through my first year of teaching. Uh, and also it would be fun to do something a little different. And so I ended up working that summer at the wine store and just, I don't know, fell in love with like learning and uh, and just researching different wine, walk around the store and look at things and try to understand uh, wine regions and why things were the way they were. 
and then uh, a few years after that, I got the chance to to visit my first uh, foreign winery in Spain. Went to Spain and you know, gosh, like the wineries there were so old. I was like, wow, this is crazy. Talking about wines from the 13th century, uh, so that was just blew my mind uh, again. Sort of the history and culture behind it. And then, uh, you know, stayed in education. So I ended up, I was a teacher and then I started my own school and ran that for a while. Um, and then sort of as, a, I guess, more of as a hobby, started started studying wine, you know, taking the different courses and buying the books. And, you know, every time there's a new wine book that comes out, I like to go get it. Uh, usually it just sits on the coffee table, but, you know, just learning and and met some friends who were psalms and, and, and in the, in the business uh, and then in mid 2020, decided to kind of put it all together and start Stillpoint uh, as a boutique wine importer. We, we focus mainly, we focus really on South African wines. Uh, we do a few French wines, but mostly South African. And within that, trying to focus on producers who are led by women and Black winemakers, uh, in, in addition to also investing in social sustainability. Things like fair labor practices, creating educational opportunities for, you know, the children of the workers on on the properties. Uh, as an educator, that's something that's also really important to me. Uh, and so that's really been uh, the focus in finding, you know, these users. And again, like I mentioned, it's like, how do we find uh, partners, you know, like distribution partners, retail partners, whoever uh, that, um you know, also align with those values and are not just, because there's a lot of wine out there. And, you know, how do you kind of break through with something unique and different that also gives back um, to the people that you're that you're representing? Michael, you could tell us the truth. So when you did your first job, you just needed a drink after um, teaching, didn't you? So you went right to the wine uh, store. Yeah, uh, through, you know, and, and, and what little money I made went straight to product uh using my discount before i left that day so yeah that is uh, <laughs> me through as a, as your teacher <laughs> so michael you guys poured a ab pinot Taj blend yeah the aquaba uh so so the it was a Cab Syrah Pinot, it's a Cab Syrah Pinotage. so it's about a third 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 and uh the aquaba uh, is a project of uh, Jean Vito, um, who has roots in Togo in, in West Africa. And uh, though she actually grew up in Chablis in France uh, and made her way to South Africa, her, her family and her roots are in Togo. And so she, uh, as, a, as a winemaker, you know, wanted to find a way to, to stay in touch with those roots and give back to Togo. And so she created that wine. Uh, the Aquaba wine uh, to raise money for this vineyard project in Togo. And so she started this several years ago. The vineyard is actually three years in. So, you know, it takes about three to four, five years before you can start harvesting. And so they're getting to the point where they're going to soon be able to, to uh, give it a try, uh, which is just really cool and wild because Togo is almost near the equator. And so they've got to get high on this plateau. Uh, and, and there's no roads or anything. So everything has to be carried, um, you know, by hand up there. And so the Aquaba wine uh, was produced to support that project in Togo. And it's good. It's really good. I agree with them, not just because 
I saw him this weekend. It is really, <laughs> it, it is really, it is really good. And I'm like, I was like, I remember this wine. I'm going through my phone. I took a picture of it. And, and, the and the label, the symbolism on the label is also speaks volumes, but it's, it's very good. And even though it's, you know, it's a third, a third, a third. And sometimes Pinotage can kind of come off really vegetal and what have you. It, it's beautifully blended. Yeah, they, they do a really great job with the Pinotage. And, and I think, you know, the 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 Pinotage of yesterday uh, is is uh, slowly going away. And, you know, the, the Pinotage we work with is, I think, some of the best in the, in the country, and uh, it really is expresses itself, I think, in a more um, complex and, uh, and rich way that is not off-putting. You know, it doesn't give you those sort of burnt rubber that some people would get from some of the old mass-produced Pinotage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pinotage that goes into the Aquaba and into some of our um, single varietal and single vineyard pinotages are low yield, you know, extra time uh, in the in the barrels and in the bottles and you know, making sure that it's it's really well crafted and not just, um, you know, not just mass produced. That's interesting because I actually love pinotage because I love heavy, big, bold reds. And um, <clears throat> when I'm introducing a pinotage to someone and I'm talking a quality made pinotage, I always tell them to taste it before they smell it. Mm-hmm. Because nose on pinotage can be off-putting. You're like, Woof, I don't like the way they smell. But if you get it in your mouth, um, roll it around your sensory, your 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 palate, your sensory will pick it up from the mouth first versus the nose. I think um it's uh, a lot more palatable and a lot more enjoyable. But uh, I said that to say, so where can we find this here and who distributes, uh, well, not, where can we find it here in um, the DC metro area? If, or can we? Yeah, well, so we're, we're based in Tennessee and, uh, and you just got started a couple of years ago. And so most of our wholesale distribution is within Tennessee and we're getting to the point where we're trying to find, um, you know, interested distribution partners in in other states. Uh, although although I do believe, and and I learned this when I, I saw Sarita a few weeks ago, is that uh, in in DC you are able to sell online as a supplier, as an importer, um, directly to the consumer without without um, you know different permits. So it's kind of an interest. You know, every state is different, and it's it's like. Uh, you know, more than 50 different countries in a way when it comes to wine distribution, but it appears, and y'all would know better, but it appears that DC itself uh, might might be easier than one thinks, but uh, you can certainly stay tuned and learn more on our website, which is just stillpointimports.com, uh, but we're hopeful to, to find uh, additional partners wherever they may be that, uh, you know, are interested in, in learning more and exploring these unique uh, wines. I have I have a distributor I think you'll work well with. I'll I'll talk to you offline. Yeah, great. Because I was about to they say have a Leslie. similar focus. Yeah, they have a similar focus. I was about to sure. ask if Leslie was gonna pick it up, but you need a distributor, right? I need a I need a distributor 
or if um, in DC, if there is not a distributor, I can purchase directly from the producer. Right. That's right. Mm -hmm. Yes. So yes. yes, we could do that too. Yeah. Uh, I mean, that's a good way to get started. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I understand your vision and your focus. So why did you choose South Africa versus any other wine region? Yeah, it's a great question. I mean, I think it's a few things. One, 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 it's just like gorgeous. You know, if you go down there and you you're in that wine, most wine regions are gorgeous, but like South Africa, it's like, wow, you have the mountains and the beach and the ocean and then you have penguins, you know? Uh, and so it's just a, just an amazing place. And then, and then the other part about it, which is, uh, you know, really kind of surprised me was just the quality of the wines um, for the price that you pay that, you know, that's just, I, I think uh, uh, a really, it's really a hidden, hidden gem within and of itself, the country and the wines that are being produced. And it's a relatively recent phenomenon because when, when South African wines first started, uh, and particularly around apartheid, where there were a lot of embargoes on South African wines because of that, the quality just wasn't there. And it's only been in the most recent decades where we've seen um, the, the quality of the wines increase. The prices haven't really skyrocketed with it. And so I thought, gosh, like the wines we have generally in the U.S. from South Africa tend to still be a lot of those lower end wines that generally you know aren't necessarily the best like i would love to see more of that in in the u.s market and so that was the that was what drew me into into south africa um and this was all happening in mid to late 2020 which was an interesting time to be in the import business so you had no trouble like selling wine during that time i'm sure is that what you mean because central, we were all announced central uh, you know, it was interesting. So in, in in the the first time I was able to actually travel to South Africa after starting Stillpoint was in is was in June of 2021, and a day before I arrived in the country, South Africa went on a lockdown. One day before, and when they went on lockdown, it meant no alcohol sales at all. So it's different. It was different in the U.S. It was like a central business, right? It's like a hospital, wine store, <laughs> gotta have them. And then in, in South Africa, they shut down all all wine sales, wine transport, any of that. And and so it was like going back into and it was like a prohibition type situation where uh, you know I had to have you had to have special like letters and things to to carry wine around. We'd go to like people's houses and. And taste wines, you know, quietly inside a house, and you know, this idea that ever all the people are going to be, you know, they would riot if they saw us tasting wines, you know, inside. So it was quite an interesting. My God, you were playing with your life. Quite an interesting time. <laughs> no, gosh, like just the day before, so it was already kind of in route, actually. Do you um? Are you still having trouble with um? The um, what is it? the shipping like are you are the docks still backed up or now well, they've opened up it's a little better now but in in uh late 2021 into 2022 it was bad uh 
really bad. In fact, you know, one of one of my shipments that I had from South Africa, you know, the ship, the, the cargo ship was delayed getting into the port of Cape Town and I get it in Cape Town and then send it to New York and it comes mm -hmm. down. Well, the ship was delayed getting into Cape Town, which like, you know, no big deal. I get it. Like things are backed up. But it turns out that this particular ship had been delayed uh, because it had been attacked by missiles in the Arabian Sea <laughs> earlier in the year. And so it had two missile holes in it. Uh, so they had to, you know, they had to check that out, you know, make sure it wouldn't sink, patch it up. And then it made its way to Cape Town. And then many months later, eventually got back up to me. So uh, kind of a wild, people tell me I should just say, you know, this is like, uh, you know, like you do with bourbons, you know, like this is missile hole, missile hole wine. Uh, it's so special. So, you know, get, get this limited edition. Was it pirates? Uh, no, it was the, it was actually uh, the Iranians. It was the Iranian military, it looked like. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I think they mistaken the ship for something else, maybe. Uh, but, you know, it was just a, a cargo ship carrying wine. Anyway, those were interesting times, right? And so I think that, you know, as an importer, uh, that that was the toughest thing, right? At that point was just logistics and, and transportation because nothing was even close to on time. And right. And to add insult to injury, it's like, this is going to take you five times as long. And it's also going to cost you uh, 10 times as much uh, for that privilege. Yes. And then once it even gets into the port, the ports were so backed up with containers that uh, trucks couldn't get into the port to get your container. So the I was ports, gonna say that. yeah, the port's like, hey, you know, we're gonna start charging you a late fee every day. You don't get your wine. And I'm like, I want to get my wine. Uh, and they keep tacking on. It was something like five hundred dollars a day. And and they keep tacking on at this five hundred dollars. And someone I'm like, gosh, just keep the wine, you know. I mean, I guess. Uh, but it was it was bad. It was bad for a while. But it is it is it is getting much better now. Yeah, I was about to ask you what was the most challenging and rewarding part of your job, part of importing. This sounds like the most challenging, but I'll ask you. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely, because you you know you you put. The more cost and time you're putting into to transport like that, I mean, the harder it is to get the wine out there and, and you have to adjust the prices because of that. And you have to pay that shipping costs all on the front end, right? Um, and you sell the wine over time. So it just is a, it was a challenging, you know, challenging time. But, 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 you know, the most rewarding thing you know, for me, actually, just being able to uh, represent the people that I represent in a in a new market for them, because they had most of them had really just kind of focused on domestic sales. I mean, out of Cape Town or or in, in these small towns in South Africa or or you know European markets um, like the like the Netherlands uh, or Belgium, for example. But you know, being in the U.S. market was such a big thing for them. They were so excited to see that, and uh, you know that that's been kind of the most rewarding thing, I think, right? And then just being able to share those stories with people, and having people identify with that and appreciate that, and want the wines 
because they're great, but also because there are such great people behind it doing really important work, I think is is awesome to see. And I and I gotta believe, like I think that's the future. I think more and more people will be more conscious about things like that. In addition to to you know environmental concerns and other forms of sustainability, I think this idea of social sustainability and equity needs to be at the center of the conversation, um, and then and then it needs to be at the center of purchasing decisions, right? The center of the economy uh, and the business that we do with each other, I think, is is really important. I I I love that fact, and I think South Africa has become a leader in social sustainability, um, and. I appreciate importers like yourself and other importers who make that a criteria of selecting the wine. Um, a lot of places that make good wine and, you know, but they're horrible. They're horrible to the people there and they just take advantage and literally rape the labor market there. Um, but they're, there are other producers who realize that it's more than it goes beyond the, the wine. It's building a future and sustaining a country um, and a nation and, and that you have a criteria that says that we're going to be supportive of that. And I know when we talk about it with other people, I think in the United States, we don't, we don't think of it. We take it for granted that there should be fair labor in most places there are. Um, but I think people are becoming more aware of those standards and practices internationally. Totally agree with that. And I think that's a good thing. Looking for somewhere to advertise? Consider the Swirl Suite podcast. Yep, right here. The Swirl Suite is now open for pre-roll advertisements, mid-roll advertisements, or post-roll advertisements. Some of our packages even include a social media shout out. If you're interested in sponsoring one episode or perhaps more, simply email us at swirlsuite at gmail.com. Cheers. So we have a fun this or that. This will be short. So we have a few this or that and then one blanket question for everybody. All right. So here we go. Yeah. Night or day harvest. Which would you rather do? Day, day. I'm gonna see those grapes. Okay. Glennis Leslie. Oh, night. I mean day, because I might run against run up against some um snakes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-mm. Nope. I need to see Mm-mm. day. Yeah. I don't care how hot it is. <laughs> The hotter the better. That means them jokers won't be just sitting out in the sun. Um, dawn. Can we say <laughs> dawn? We can. not exactly nice, but like early in the morning, where it's still cool, and there's some break in the daylight, mm-hmm. so I can see what's coming at me. Yes. Um, so I have my little miner's hat. I have my yeah. miner's cap on. Yeah. Same, same for me. Anytime like the sun is up a little bit, I need to see what's around me. I need to hear. So two stories. Um, I had dinner with friends when I arrived in California. 
um, in a friend's backyard. And this is Napa. This is Napa proper. And we were sitting outside. I think she went to get a sweater because, like I said, the temperature drops really low after like 7, 7.30. And so it was me and another young lady sitting outside. And I heard there was no music or anything. I heard a rustle. Okay, you know, you hear rustles in leaves or a tree or something. So I'm thinking, oh, they must have squirrels. So I turned around. I was like, that's not a squirrel. That is a goddamn skunk. So let's pack this up. <laughs> and the girl, she has a cat that she likes to like let roam the yard. She was like, oh, my, oh, my God, get the cat. Bring it inside. She was like, we have a real problem with skunks. I was like, what? In the daytime, the sun's not even down yet. Second thing, um, I didn't know that Napa has wild turkeys that just roams the streets. Um, and it's not like one or two. If They'll come in packs of like six. So all over UC, D UC Davis campus, you will see wild turkeys. And they were saying that in the vines, they like to eat the grapes. So they're an issue. And I was like, yeah, I ain't got no turkeys until I saw them on my way out. I they're very a, aggressive <laughs> they're aggressive too i can imagine i can imagine so and um, they can fly unlike turkey tom the turkey on your table <laughs> while turkeys can fly i have witnessed that myself so things i didn't know about california skunks and turkeys uh okay next one playlist or podcast Wow. I mean, I would say a podcast, Sorrel Sweet. Um, <laughs> hey. That's the way to go. <laughs> no, for real. Do you listen to podcasts more than music? I do listen to podcasts, man. Yeah. yeah. Michael, yeah, that's one way to get yourself invited back. I just want to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, they're, they're generally, you know, you consume them kind of quickly and they're good for a drive or a flight. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and, and, and it's fresh, right? Uh, I think that's that's what I love about podcasts. All right. Glennis? Playlist. Got it. Oh, I'll do a podcast. Yeah, me, it's definitely podcast. <clears throat> Let's see. Dine in or delivery? What is your mood today? Mm, dine in. Yeah, dine in. I think it's sort of like leftover from doing a lot of delivery over the last few years it's like sometimes that dining experience is really nice i would i would say today was dining in but it's because i was dining out so much this past weekend that i want something at home well it was depends so today was dining because i had leftovers because they messed up an order at one of my favorite restaurants so they gave me another whole entree um so today was dining in but it will depend on what the weather's like or, you know, what I got going on. Because I have ordered stuff and just stayed in. So. But today, dine. Uh, I would say dine in because I have a taste for ramen. And ramen does not taste the same when it's delivered to your house in parts, you know. So I'd say dine in. All right. Next one. Coke or Pepsi? Oh, definitely Coke. <laughs> Pepsi too sweet. Okay. Have you all seen that that documentary about uh, the fighter jet? The, yeah, the, I have. It was my fighter jet. <laughs> yeah. uh, that was wild. So yeah, Coke. Um, I would say Coke. But I remember in the 80s, you remember when they were doing the taste test at different mm -hmm. malls? Yeah. And 
I I did two blind taste tests and picked Pepsi, but I really do like Coke. <laughs> I grew up in a Pepsi house. I'm a Pepsi girl. I don't really drink dark soda like that, but Pepsi, a cold Pepsi. I feel All like right. in a blind taste, they would be they would be super obvious. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yep. you could tell the difference. You can, but definitely. since you didn't have my favorite on there, because. If you said Coke, Pepsi, or Dr. Pepper, it was definitely Dr. Pepper. Oh, Dr. Pepper, yes. I'm Are you Dr. serious? Pepper. Yeah, I like oh, Dr. Yeah, Pepper. Dr. Pepper. I cannot drink Dr. Pepper. Pepper. That's my, oh my God. It's like Dr. drinking Pepper Big Red. Mm -mm. No, it ain't. It tastes totally it different. It is. Oh, no. <laughs> okay. Next one, pork or beef? Pork. I'm from Memphis, so that's what we do. I am definitely beef. Pork. Pork for you? Uh, Y'all know I don't eat neither. However, I was at this wine event with a friend of mine last week at a winery. And there was food everywhere. And inside this room was a perfectly cooked scallop on a skewer with pork right, belly. Pork belly, yes. So just imagine a seared piece of pork belly on a skewer with a scallop. It looked absolutely delicious. I was like, I don't want to get sick, so I'm not going to eat it. But that that was that was very tempting. So I'll pick pork. It probably gave the scallops a lot of flavor. I would probably eaten mm -hmm. the scallops but left the pork belly. Yeah, yeah. It looked great. It looked great. All right. Last question. What types of wine are you drinking the most of this summer? I'm going to say sparkling. Any type of sparkling. I'm going towards sparkling because it's just been so hot. I need some yeah. bubbles. Yeah. And I, and I don't want to drink beer all the time. So, yeah, that's good. I, I've seen, uh, uh, but specifically Method Cap Classique, the, the traditional method mm -hmm. style from South Africa. Mm -hmm. That is yummy. I'm doing a lot of rose. Yeah, I, I'm actually the same. I've been doing a lot of rosé, so much so that my niece, who is six, has been telling people, yeah, my Aunt Ree, she drinks rosé. Girl, I ain't never had a conversation with you about wine at all, but I guess I didn't have to because I drink rosé every time she's around. So <laughs> They are oh, yeah. little sponges. They oh, my absorb gosh. everything. Well, um, that is all our questions. Michael, is... um. Is there a website or an Instagram handle or anything social media you want to share that people can follow? Yeah, sure. So uh, on Instagram, uh, we're still point imports and then uh, website is uh, stillpointimports.com. Uh, easy to get in touch with me through either, uh, but uh, certainly enjoy love the time uh, of being with y'all today and uh, have to do it again soon. It was a pleasure meeting you, Michael. Yes, it's a pleasure meeting you. You have to let us know the next time you're in D.C. Of course. Thanks for joining this World Suite. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Leave us five stars and leave us a comment. We love ratings. Also, be sure to follow all of us on social media. Myself at Vine Me Up. Glenn is at Vino Noir. Girl Meets Glass is Tanisha. 
Vino301 is Leslie. And you can follow the Swirl Suite podcast account at Swirl Suite. The Swirl Suite is now a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vimey Up Media.